This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And David, a lot of energy before that intro, and then he sort of like this, he downshifted a little bit, mm-hmm. just, just trying to mess me up. Mm-hmm. I think At that's all the times. Thing. Yeah. We're supposed to bring donuts. We're in person. We're we're together in studio, talking at the same time, not separate. Together at last. Yeah. Together forever. He had some lame excuse why I didn't bring donuts. It's a uh, Wednesday morning. I don't uh, think it was a lame excuse. It was the reality of the situation. They were repaving the parking lot in front of the donut store that's on the way from me dropping off my daughter at school to you know. this office, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find a place to park. Now, did I attempt to find a place to park no 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 no, certainly not but it was roped off (laughs) but what what you normally would do there was an obstacle towards that so you just aborted and we have no donuts yeah well you sent me a text message one half hour ago that that's how you do things like if i want you to do something i can't tell you a day ahead of time i really need to tell you like right before you're about to do it uh it varies it varies (laughs) i would say uh it's not consistent from one day to the next (laughs) I was going to go myself. Um, one of the cool things about living in Southern California, David, citrus trees. You can have your own citrus tree. I have always wanted a citrus tree. I don't have a lot of space because I'm like in a townhome, but I have some space. And I bought why, a li- why are you calling it a citrus tree? I bought a lime tree. Like, you could just call it a lime tree. Yeah. No, it's a lime tree, but I want to get a lemon tree at some point. Apparently, there's like hybrids. You can get like limes and lemons. On I had a tree. lemon tree growing up. Yeah. Uh, it, had, it had massive thorns. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Well, so I bought a lime tree. Uh, I have to water it like twice a day. So I'm like, I had to water it before I came here. So that's why I didn't go to the donut shop. So, so I want, I want uh, I'm limes. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My excuse was lame. You had to water a tree that will still be standing when you return home and you could have watered it then. But my excuse was lame. The fact yes. that they were repaving a parking lot. I had no control over that. Uh, you had control over when you watered this goddamn tree. <laughs> Uh, well, no. I mean, I got to do it in the morning. I didn't. I didn't water it last night. I tried to do it morning and night. You know. Uh, so you didn't water it last night. No. So my point here stands that you had control over the situation. You let it lie fallow, and now here we are. 
Here we are. But I want limes. What, once I bring in some fresh limes and I make you like a fresh margarita with them, you're going to be very excited. So it, it, it'll be, it's a sacrifice we're willing to make. We, we won't have a donut this morning. How much does a lime cost at uh, the grocery store? Like Trader Joe's, they're like 39 cents. Okay. But I like I, I just love the concept of growing my own limes for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not not like a useful food by any stretch of the imagination. They're useful. Like, do you eat limes? You're like, ah, you know what I could really go for right now? A lime or margarita. So a garnish is what you're growing. No, it's it's part. I I juice the limes, and that's how I make the. You know, my margaritas are fresh. Oh, it's funny. We had a tweet. Um, where was the tweet? I think it was uh, from uh, Bestio Marcio. He says, the fact that Ryan called out Fortaleza tequila on a podcast levels up the amount of respect I have for his alcohol hobby. So I was, I think, is I was that talk- what we're calling alcoholism now? Alcohol oh, hobbies. Apparently. Uh, but I was talking about like making the, you know, I like, I like to make these fresh margaritas. And I went into the store and like met a guy who kind of told me about some different uh, tequilas that I would like. And Fortaleza is really good. It's like hand blown uh, bottles and stuff. So. Marcio. Did you just say that the the liquid inside was good because of the hand blown bottle? No, it's not. It's liquid inside is good. Plus, it's like this cool, like kind of like hand. Right, right. But the first thing you said was the hand blown bottle. Uh, well, they're really good too. Well, I, hey, someone on Twitter knows. No, no, it's it's actually great because that's a real like it's a beautiful distillation of um the the insane alcohol industry and how people are convinced that things are good because of like fancy bottles and labels. Mm. I think it's less about that. It's more about like the ingredients and what's inside. Yeah, yeah, no, we've talked about this. How people convince themselves that alcohol is good because they don't want to yeah. confront the fact that the reason they're drinking it is something else entirely. Well, my margaritas are good. With the fresh juices, and I'm going to grow my own damn limes and make fresh juices, and you're going to drink it, and you're going to like it. Never been more excited for anything in my life. Awesome. Well, anyway, uh, that's a good, uh, you know, just kill some time in the beginning. We don't have a lot to talk about today, but we do, actually. There's a bunch of stuff. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, pack12podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. Tweet us at pack12podcast or go to our website, pack12podcast.com, where all of our shows are up there. And little summaries if you want to like go through and read about what we've been talking about and say oh that's interesting i'm gonna go back and listen to that one you can also discuss it with all your pac 12 friends over at reddit uh podcast of champions our channel there and if you have the apple podcasting app follow us rate us with five stars talk some trash to us but the five star thing that's what's important you can even do it on spotify uh so please do that i don't know if we have any New we, we have a couple new reviews. We have some new reviews. Okay, cool. This is from Anthony in LA. Podcast of sunburned guy and poor facial hair guy. LOL. Which sunburned one, which, guy? Which one, you ta- which one are you taking there? Oh, uh, you can't have poor facial hair. Right? Uh, your facial hair has to be... I would say my facial hair is good. I mean, I mean in as much as, a, as facial hair can be good. Like, there are those people who would say facial hair in general is you know not good but yours is you have an epic beard like, i've got a not, good beard it's a good full beard it's uh, good as short selling this but yeah uh, you okay but anyway so uh, are you the poor facial hair guy i would think so but you don't have any is that why it's poor uh i mean i maybe i, I have mean, I, I have scruff a lot of times i have been sunburned i wouldn't say that my typical like um state of being is sunburned 
Now, I'm in the sun more than you. But I would say you do a pretty good job of, you know, making sure you don't get burned. Yeah, I do try to put the sunscreen on, but... So, anyway, uh, Anthony, here, here's the actual subject of his... Um, okay. ...the body. Love the podcast, fellas. Uh, question. What other conference could the Pac-12 football teams go up against and be considered an even matchup with our best going against their best and down the line to our worst facing up uh, their worst? No AAC, no Mountain West, and no Sun Belt. LOL. Um, I think if you, I mean, probably ACC and Big Twelve. Yeah, I would say those. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I if think, Clemson's mortal, which they appear to be now, like ACC. Well, even if you grant them the Clemson versus whatever Oregon, even if you go back two years, grant them Clemson versus Oregon. If you then take everyone else, I mean, I think the Pac-12 comes out ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it would be within the ball, you know. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's relatively even, if not the Pac-12, a little bit ahead against the ACC and the Big 12. Yeah, all right. All right. Thanks ne- for that review. Next one, this is from Bow Down to Washington. Uh, shopping list. Toilet paper, food processor, electric lawnmower, Icy Hot, salmon, oxtail, mac and cheese, peanut butter, Stag's Leap Cabernet Sauvignon Napa 2018, kale chips, and pork rinds. Pretty good shopping list. I like it. That was a five-star review. We read it. That's what we do. <laughs> Are you reading them online again? Could you do it? Like you don't have to Yeah, uh, I think um, Apple took back that update that was making it open up iTunes on your computer. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I like that because we can like read this stuff. Yeah. Thank you for the reviews. We do appreciate that. It's and- so fun when tech companies um like they make an update to their uh service that just sucks. Like, and there's absolutely no point for it. It was some just harebrained idea. And it stays for like several weeks and then just quietly disappears at some point. Yeah, they're like, oh, we screwed that up. Yeah, but it takes them weeks and you have no idea why it happened in the first place. Like your interface is garbage, <laughs> but there are some ways we have learned to navigate it and then you make it more trash. You know the biggest issue I have like tech-wise with stuff that I use all the time? What? It's Skype. Skype's a piece of shit. I, well, I, I like the technology. It's a forced update. Every, like, yep. It's like, there's no way to turn, like Skype worked last week. Like I don't need, and there are a lot of updates, you know, yep. it's not like there's no option. Um, it's just like, I'm like, if, if we're late and I'm like, oh, I got to call someone for this interview. Oh, Skype's got to update. I'm like, okay, now there's five minutes out of my day. Like, um, just can I skip it till next time? Like most things you can say, like, you know, don't update right now. Like I don't, maybe there's an option on it. I haven't been able to find it. Yeah, no, I think Skype's one of those that you have to update. Um, my problem is more the web applications where you don't even have a choice just someday when you go into it, like Facebook. Um, so the reality is um, I would prefer not to ever have to use Facebook, but a function of our jobs is that we have to post these things to the Facebook plus, pages. Plus birthdays. Uh, yeah, but that's just to remember the birthdays. Then I text the people. I'm not doing that on Facebook. Oh, um, contrary. Yeah, well, it's just, it's, it's garbage. You know, whatever. You don't even have to write the message now. It'll just, like, give you an option to say, happy birthday. Oh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but Facebook, um, they did this thing, and this is for the people deep in the uh, deep in the know. 
um, where to publish on a page, like say you, you know, UCLA Bruins on 24-7 sports, you have to go into this stupid thing, this like separate application within oh. Facebook that's like the publisher tools or yes. some crap. Or now it's called the planner or whatever. And it's a much worse interface than even the basic posting, which is very bad. Facebook, horrible company. I hope it dies. It, I mean, it could, I guess. Um, I don't like, could we do like our live, our show? So here's the funny thing. Our Facebook page, because we merged when when USCFootball.com joined 24-7, they had like a huge Facebook page because they like promoted it a lot or whatever. I think we had like at USCFootball.com like 75,000 likes on our page. But like 24-7 had like over 100,000. We merged them and we got like it almost like got to 200,000 likes or whatever. We like broadcast something live. That's So there's 200,000 people that like have access to this. And we get you know, maybe like 30% of the audience that we have from our YouTube page that our YouTube channel that has like, you know, 5% of the, the, like we have like 15,000 people liking our, or whatever, subscribing to our YouTube page, but so many more people get our live show on YouTube than Facebook. We have this huge amount, like they don't push it to everybody that you have, like they have the algorithm or something. So that stuff just always bothered me. Like, yeah, it's, well, it's it's a closed loop. And the thing is, um, so with their algorithm, you have to then advertise. You have to pay to advertise your Facebook to your own Live people, yeah. to even get it to your own people. Yeah, like the point of getting your people is like now they're your people. And Facebook's mm-hmm. still like, nope, they're not quite your people. No, no, no. They're not quite your people. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, screw Facebook for that kind of stuff. Uh, all right. We, uh, when we, you know, we were going to. Like, you know what would, like, like, you know it would be great? What is if maybe they didn't have a monopoly on like that whole function? Of you can society. use Instagram, right? To do what? Yeah, you can't do the same kind of stuff. Also, who owns Instagram? Yeah, I guess that's why I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do like the Snapchats or what. I don't know what that stuff is, but well, Snapchat. So Snapchat is for teens, and the teens barely use it anymore. I guess it was for teens, and then the teens got to be 20s, and they're like, screw that. Well, no, I was talking to my niece about this. Uh, She's 19, and she was saying, yeah, they still use it for, like, one-to-one communication, but it's not the way it was, you know, five years ago. Right. Now there's TikTok, but TikTok's for, like, videos and stuff. You're doing, you know, like, viral videos. There's there's an interesting thing to TikTok where... You can have like a sh- like a small amount of followers, but if your video is cool, it can still go viral. Like there's some algorithm there. Like we did one. Like we we started one. We have a couple thousand followers, and Chris Trevino has been doing our TikToks. And we had one. It was like Keontae Ingram. Like he was interviewing him. Then when USC is about to go to Notre Dame, he's from Texas. He's never been in the snow before. And when Chris told them it was going to be 40 degrees, he gave this like look. And he put it up on TikTok. And it was like a really cool like facial expression. And we got like over a million views on it. Like, and you know, we only have a couple thousand people. So like I like the fact that you could get like viral videos even if you're not like some huge influencer or something, if it's like cool. Looking. Well, yeah. And so But my, I don't know how it works or anything. So here's my thing. So Facebook and Instagram, I think, are both just pure evil. Like just they're bad <laughs> for society, they're bad for you, they're bad for everybody. Okay. TikTok and Twitter, I would say. There's enough actual genuine enjoyment that you can get out of both of those services that it makes up for the fact that they are also evil in okay. like their own ways. But like there are great, funny, and like and I'm I'm not being facetious here, like absolutely life affirming videos on TikTok that are like, Oh, that's really good. That's really great shit. Like they're so funny and it's just like, oh, this is pure enjoyment. 
Twitter, obviously, there's just great jokes. There's nothing yeah. but great jokes on Twitter. Um, Facebook and Instagram are pure evil. Nice. I got it. I just haven't done the TikToks. I tried to do a little, but I I don't. TikTok's like great. All right. I'll, I'll, I mean, I never post, but like as like an observer, it's really fun. And it's not like you only see like the people you follow, right? They just give you stuff. You yeah, you think, can look at all kinds of stuff. They'll just feed you things that they'll might just be feed. Cool. Yeah, they'll just drop. Like it if in something's your mouth. doing well, they'll like feed yeah, it. Yeah, to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's like an algorithm there, or whatever. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we were going to sort of like go a deep dive into like spring football reviews of all the teams but we already kind of did that and plus yeah we're not doing that that's yeah like i don't know it just seems like i don't i love the spring stuff spring's over now like if you can't tell from the first like 15 minutes of this show i'm i'm gonna force us off the rails at various points today you very much will uh topics wise though i kind of try to come up with some different things when you you know if you don't know what to talk about go look at john wilner's twitter feed check Mm -hmm. out you know what's going on uh, apparently, so when the PAC 12 released their revenues for 2021, um, fiscal year, 2021, 41%, uh, shortfall because of the, the COVID season, uh, you know, the PAC 12 obviously didn't, was going to cancel it and then kind of came back and, and did everything where like the SEC had 10 conference games. So it was very significantly different, uh, because of that. Uh, the Pac-12 was way, way down as far as the amount of money per school that was earned, ni- uh, almost $20 million, $19.8 million, uh, in, you know, well into fifth place. Fourth place was the Big 12, $35.5 million. So, you know, big shortfall from the, the COVID year. The SEC was way up at almost $55 million. Um, so pretty big thing. But, you know, George Klyovkov, I had a quote uh, that Wilner had that we are encouraged by the substantial return. Uh, to pre-pandemic levels of revenue and distributions that our 2021-22 financial results will show. Um, so this was from uh, the, the the Pac-12 released its tax fi- uh, fi- filings. So Klyovkov saying, hey, we're going to get back to normal. Um, the problem is, David, that normal, if you remember normal, like, oh, back to normal. Okay, so it'll be closer, but still not good. And uh, Wilner is pointing out that the ACC, that the Pac-12 had better revenues than, um, launched the ACC network. And unlike the Pac-12 network, it actually helps the schools. Even though you don't hear much about it, it's actually uh, a financial benefit to the schools. So what he did is kind of projected out from 2021 through 2024 what all the schools, the, the conferences' revenues would be. And if you look at those um, those four years, 2021, 22, 22, 23, and 24, the Big Ten is going to be the big winner, and this is you know they're going to have a whole new deal too. Uh, 250 million, over 250 million, compared to what the Pac-12 is going to get, 133 million. That's not for the conference; that's per school. So, the average school, of the Big Ten, is going to make. Mm, $120 million more than the average school on the, the Pac-12 over a four-year period. So I know you don't like to get into numbers of million here, but to have over $100 million, you know, Purdue's going to get $100 million more than UCLA over like that four years. That's something you can do with that, you know, whatever. Uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, and they're be, talk- and they're last behind the ACC. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would say they're last, but um, the difference between them and the Big Twelve and the ACC is negligible, especially when you factor it in over four years. I mean, what we're actually talking about is a per year difference of like six million dollars between them and the ACC. That's still like, I mean, per school it, it, per it, year. Look, it's it's significant amount, especially for. Um, but like, they're they're in the ballpark. Like, but yeah, they're in the same ballpark as the two the two conferences that we just talked about as the ones where. The Pac-12 is still very competitive with those two. Um, nobody's competitive with the SEC and the Big Ten. Big 12 and ACC, their their difference between them and the second place uh, conference, SEC, is more profound than the Pac-12s from the Big 12 and the ACC. Yeah. Like, there, there's, it's a different game being played in those two conferences. Um, and I think that's... The, the reality is that if there is going to be some, like, big... Um, uh, qualitative split it's between the top two and the bottom three not i think the top four and the pac-12 is like the the lowly um poor one and that's why i think you've seen the you know that kind of acc pac-12 you know the the talk of this like kind of alliance um on some of these competitive balance issues um because it is the haves are the top two it's not the top four. Yeah. Um, and the have nots are the bottom three, not just the bottom one. Um, so I think that's why any talk of like the Pac 12 suddenly becoming a mid major conference, I think, is way overblown um, because they're right in the same boat as the other two at the bottom. No, I think that's fair. Um, certainly concerning. And, uh, you know, they get to redo their deal. So they'll have a chance after that to try to like close the gap. But the Big Ten is redoing their deal. The SEC is going to have a huge deal from. Going from their CBS gets like a complete steal getting their like three thirty game. Um, the ESPN is going to have it and just they're they're going to blow that out of the water. So, but like you said, it's better. You know, you got to be in the ballpark, maybe past the ACC, past the Big Twelve, and even be third. Like that's a good. But it's gonna you know you're not going to be catching the Big Ten or the uh, the SEC. Um, one of the things we talked about last week individually was the Pac-12's decision to eliminate divisions as far as uh, determining the conference champion. We'll see probably in 2023 divisions will go away altogether and the different um, schedule models, but essentially the two top teams as far as percent winning percentage of conference games will play in the championship game. I listened to kind of what you had to say. I'm, I'm cool with that. Were you cool with that? Like, yeah, who knows what I said. Um, yeah, no, I, I think there's a few different ways you can go. Wilner was talking about the pods, which you could do that too, um, where you do like a California pod, uh, Arizona and the Mountain Schools pod, and then a Pacific Northwest pod. Have them play their you know three games there, and then you have a few cross-pod uh, matchups. Yeah, you would play like three teams from the each other pod, so right. you'd miss one from each pod every year. Or something. Right. Um, I, I would almost... I think you could do something similar than that, like that, and then maybe do like kind of my thought and do some sort of um, cross pod like round robin between the top teams in each pod in November to get like the one true champion. And you don't even do like a true Pac-12 championship game, but you do some sort of, uh, I don't know, World Cup style thing. Yeah, so I was thinking about that. And uh, when I first heard you say that, and you were like, oh, that, like the last four weeks would be like, up for grabs you could like change i'm like okay this is david just going you know yeah some libertarian stuff on us or whatever i don't know what the, i don't know what that would be but uh i was thinking about it too where 
I think it was like the solid verbal the guys were talking about. Like, so last year you had Georgia and Alabama, you know, division winners, top ranked. They get the, you know, they replay, you know, in the playoffs, but like they got to play for the SEC title. It doesn't always line up that way. You know, we, we saw like five of the 11 years. What are they, real quick, some of the people were kind of poo pooing that I listened to talk about the Pac 12 divisions, like, oh, it doesn't have that much of an effect. Almost half the time, it would have changed the the championship. Oh, yeah. So I I think this was significant. But when you're talking about that, like which teams would play, what if you did maybe the final two weeks of the season, like you were saying, not having like a traditional championship game, but you're like, okay, these are like the top four teams. We're gonna have one play four and two play three, and then the two, and then the next week we'll figure out, okay, the winners of both of those games play each other, and that's gonna be the de facto. Not the fact, but that'll be the actual champion. And then the rest of the teams say the same thing. So maybe in championship week, they get to play an extra game. Like, oh, uh, Colorado hasn't played Oregon State yet. Like, they each have one Pac-12 win. Like, okay, we, they can play each other. You know, something like that. I thought that would be kind of interesting, too, because it's not going to line up every – like, sometimes it's going to be division winner, division winner, boom, that's great. It's not always going to – sometimes it might be clear number one, and like two, three, and four are all very close. Like, okay, well, they can kind of play each other and stuff. So I kind of thought that would be interesting where it's more of a, not necessarily, here's just a championship game. It's more of determining, you know, having fun the last two weeks of the season or the last week and the championship week if you could actually let other people play. No, no, no. Um, go even crazier than that. So I okay. just had an idea with the pods. Okay. And I was talking about World Cup, right? So you have your pods. And so whatever, starting in October. So first, um, everybody has to get on board with the idea, like USC and Notre Dame, your shit has to be played in September. It cannot continue to be played in November. Ever. Oh. Play so that shit in September all the time. Like at Notre Dame, it's in September. At USC, it's in September. Got okay. it? Stanford, you're doing the same thing. All non-conference games, you get them done within the first four weeks of the season. All right. Then you play your three pod opponents in order. You do it World Cup style. Top two teams in each pod advances to the next essential round of the Pac-12 schedule. So you've got the six teams that come out of those pods, and then they do their own kind of round robin. Then those top two teams, because that'll be another five games, the top two teams from that round robin play again Okay. for the Pac-12 championship. That's interesting. And while that's all going, the you know, the the fucking chaff continues to play each other, you know, like uh, Arizona and Oregon state. Sorry. You got to play again. Um, uh, okay. What, I mean, you could have breaks between like the pod schedule and then there's like an out of conference week. You could. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem, the problem is just trying to like, that's going to be hard to schedule. Like almost like, T- tell me why, tell me why that's hard to schedule. No, 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 no. Like, it's not hard for the PAC 12, but then filling in the out of conference, like, can you so BYU goes away, right? Like if they need they need games all year, so you can't have like five Pac twelve teams playing BYU. Um, you know, I, I think there'd be some issues like that where you could. Well, only you could get- break the schedule. You could do that. You could have a defined break every single year between that stretch, the the pod stretch, and then the final um, six game roundup or five game roundup. Um, and then just fit in a non-conference. I mean, BYU, okay. You can play all Pac-12 opponents in your non-conference. Uh, and, well, isn't BYU's going to a real conference now, aren't they? They're going to the Big 12, yeah. yeah. Come on. So you don't have to worry about, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that'd be fun. Fun as hell. 
If you had um, other conferences on board with something similar where everyone had like week five is an out of conference game, like that would be cool. Yeah. We should have like a college football czar. That could, right, right. That's me. I, That's I feel me. like no, anyone we're going to be the new NCAA. It's you and me. All right, I, I'm in. Uh, all right, well, let us know what you think. But yeah, there, I definitely I listened to some, and uh, the people were talking about it. Just made it seem like the division thing wasn't a big deal. I'm like, literally, like half the time, the changes who plays in the championship game. So I think that's significant. You know, like the fact that he did that. A within, lot of like, it was front loaded, and one of them was because USC was on sanctions, and one was like a COVID year. Yeah, but. You know, it's still like there was a bunch of times where Oregon and Stanford would have played early on. Yeah, um, but one of those, I think it was because USC was on sanctions. No, that was the UCLA one. That was the very first one. Yeah, but that was also one that would have been Oregon-Stanford, oh, okay. I think, if they said. But it was actually going to be Oregon-USC. And it would have been Oregon-USC anyway if, if, they, weren't if they weren't on sanctions. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, division stuff. Uh, I, I applaud Klyavkov. They were ready. Like they had the press release set and it was like the NCAA makes the announcement. It was like six minutes later or something yep. that, that, that they came out with it. Um, all right. Transfer portal is sort of uh, slowing down. We talked about, you know, USC getting uh, Jordan Addison. That was one of the the big names out there. There's still, there's still some guys in the portal. There's still going to be some additions and stuff, but um, I was looking on Twitter and I saw they, they, um, if you want to look at the rankings, um, hold on. Let me pull it up. Can I do can I do team site uh step on my soapbox for just a second? Yeah, yeah. So the UCLA stuff, I don't really have many objections to it, but um we're sleeping on the Murphy twins. They 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 fell into the ranking somewhere in like the one thirties or one forties, three star guys. They're gonna be the biggest impact players for UCLA in the transfer portal. I think there's gonna be a lot of guys like that. Yeah, um, but like this was a known coming out of spring. Um, they're going to be. They need to like they the transfer. Yeah, and they're listed as linebackers right now. They're defensive ends. Like, okay, they're going to be they're going to be big time studs. Like and and so the twenty four seven sports basically just started doing these transfer rankings the last couple of years, and I think they're going to be refining the process. There's going to be guys like I talked to uh, USC got a transfer Cooper Lovelace who didn't start playing football till his senior year of high school he played at butler community college you know so he's played for a couple years didn't really have a bunch of offers uh very after his senior year of after his you know final year at at butler got a bunch of big time offers went to usc he puts a video online so he's six five three hundred and twenty five pounds he can like hold his leg up to his ear like do splits and all this kind of stuff and you're like a guy like that's not going to get ranked very high because no one knew who he was he didn't start playing high but like he could be a stud. You talk like the twins. I think are more proven commodities, um, and you got to see them practice at UCLA. It's like, hey, they're going to be good. Guys like that should move up the rankings. I think more, um, you know, than where they are. But I, it's it's almost like you know, just the recruiting rankings. Like, hey, there's a sleeper guy. There's going to be sleeper transfers. Like that are like those guys are going to be studs, impact position. If they're playing, they're playing defensive end, and you know, they're they're disrupting opponents offenses like that's gonna have a, a major impact on stuff um but this as far as the team rankings go i just wanted to kind of pull this up to show like who's really gone the portal route and who hasn't um you have uh so number one you have usc trojan 
Uh, they had 19 guys out of the portal with a five star, a bunch of you know six four stars and some three stars. But they're the number one transfer class. Obviously, they get Lincoln Riley coming in. Um, I have a, I have a sound I made. Oh, okay. You want to hear it? Yeah. The blast came from the Death Star. That thing's operational. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> this show's going to get extremely obnoxious. <laughs> it's like UCLA during basketball season. No, 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 nowhere in it, nowhere in it, because everyone understands that I am like Charlie Brown, and the the football is going to get ripped away from me. I just, it just has to, you know, I have to, I have to really wind up, get ready to kick it. Yeah. No, USC fan is not in the same boat. You guys are just uh, uh, the obnoxious heels of this particular wrestling federation. I, I just call them like I see them. Uh, I told you that USC was crap either. for seven years, right? I mean, I. I I've not been on this podcast and not told you that USC has been crap and I think they're going to be good now. So I'm going to tell you they're going to be good, uh, but th- they got the most. Uh, so UCLA and Arizona state. So the double digit, like bringing it, you know, UCLA, that uh, 24/7 sports has them ranked second with 12 commits. So that's still high. I mean, second, I mean, USC is number one in the nation. So that's not bad. Arizona state brought in a bunch of guys, 14 guys. Um, they, they just happened to lose a bunch of guys. I'd like to see a rank. This, this should be net. Yeah, the way they should do net. transfer portal rankings should be net. I would love to see net. Uh, but the Ducks brought a bunch of guys too. You know, new head coach Dan Lanning, Land Danning, uh, Ted commitments there. Washington's a new coach, their fifth uh, with nine commits. Uh, Arizona had one of the top top fifty commits, but they they brought in eight guys. They're ranked sixth. Uh, Utah didn't you know, brought a lot of guys last year, didn't as much this year. They got five commits. They're ranked seventh. Washington State, you know, with Rick Dickert, you know, new coach interim taking over. Jake, I'm sorry, did I say Rick Dickert? Oh, he's the the LA guy. He's yeah. a uh, he's a local radio. I mean, uh, weather guy. Well, I know him. He's a nice guy. That's probably why I said his name. Washington State with eight commits. Uh, ninth is Cal with six, and then tenth is Colorado with six, and then you have Stanford, Oregon State that only brought in one guy from the portal, according to to this. So. Um, that's kind of interesting, like not really going the portal route. Uh, but, you know, two established coaches that have been there a long time. Um, anything that stands out to you, like rankings wise? Besides like the, yeah, like there's there's going to be some guys that are like, wow, they're, they're totally sleeping on him. He's going to be great. Yeah, I, I, I think there is um, limited relevance to some of this. Like Arizona State being third, I think, is... Um, it's more about the numbers, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think for USC, I think it's obvious that that's huge. Um, I think for UCLA, it was you know relatively a net positive. But everything else kind of gets in, lost in the wash with what did they lose versus what did they gain. Um, and then like uh, looking at some of the rankings themselves, I mean, I've got some quibbles here and there. I think um, the players you're talking about, yeah, because the reality is, and this is the the unfortunate truth, um, there aren't any independent people evaluating these guys at their new schools. Um, the only people providing evaluations on them are team site publishers, and um, we vary as a collective in our relative objectivity. Do you think team side publishers are, I, I, I feel like it's the recruiting guys redoing this. So maybe they were asking for input. They asked for our input. They probably, yeah, they probably asked for ours too. I mean, I think it was a lot of, um, 
past performance, which I think is obviously the number one indicator. But then, but if Tracy's like, "Hey, man, these the twins came in and just crushed it," right? Someone needs to like listen to that. Yeah, well, and I did. That's my point here, Ryan. Oh, um. So anyway, you should have a better reputation like me, and they would listen to you. Yeah, I mean, there are three USC guys in the top nine here, so yeah. I didn't say anything about any of those guys. Uh-huh. That's all from. I believe you. I, no, they, I believe you. They don't ask me. Look at my face. Don't I believe you? Yes. Yeah. You bet. Like, if you had anything to do with, I don't have anything to do with rankings. I don't rank players. Like, they might have talked to Gerard or Chris or something, but they didn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. I just sit back and uh, I won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a la- long drop. It is a long one. I think you need to divvy it up, and then when I start um, pontificating about how USC is going to actually be bad, you do the let the hate flow through you. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and then just the Death Star whenever they get a commitment or win a game that they shouldn't. Okay. Could do that. Got it. Yeah. It's, it's a little long, but. Yeah, I'm just, you know, we don't want long drops. Save it for special occasions. Yeah, tight drops. Uh, yeah, so USC had three of the top 10, um, Cameron Ward from Washington state. They got, they have him as a top 25 player in the transfer portal. So, uh, big get, uh, Arizona with, uh, Jacob Cowing, the UTEP wide receiver. They like him a lot. Uh, he's number 27. Um, the highest Cal, uh, Jackson Sermon, uh, the Washington linebacker. He came in at number 40. Oh, that, that last name's familiar. Who's his dad? <laughs> Peter. Oh, okay. Does he coach? Yes. Which school? Uh, Cal. Ah. Okay. So he followed his, but they still have him ranked as a high player. Uh, yeah, I bet they do. Uh, Utah got the Florida linebacker. He's in the top 50. And uh, Oregon's top uh, recruit was Minnesota's running back, uh, Marquise Irving. Um, let's see. Colorado's got a number 76 running back from Sam Houston, uh, Ramon Jefferson. So he's uh, they, they rank him pretty high. Uh, Arizona State's best player was uh, the Miami defensive lineman, Nesta, Nesta Jade uh, Silvera. Looks like that. And then let's see what else. Yeah, Washington had a top 100 guy in the Mexico running back, Aaron Dunes, Dumas. And then they have uh, linebacker Darius Mausu. Is that how you say it? Muasau. Muasau. Uh, the Hawaii linebacker going to UCLA. That's the highest player that the Bruins have ranked. But you would put uh, those twins ahead of him probably. Yes. Okay. But they, they, I should, think be, they Mua, should be Mua, top 100 guys. No, Muasau should also be. Um, he's going to be the starting middle linebacker this year. It's just the Murphy twins are going to change the pass rush in a very positive way. Yeah. Uh, all right. But, you know, no shock. USC's got a lot of dudes on here. You're not going to see this for USC going forward. It's just there's going to be schools that need to bring a bunch of transfers in. Why do you think UCLA was up there with the transfers? Like Chip Kelly's still there, a uh, bunch of guys coming back, but they 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 appeared to hit the transfer portal hard. It's just his philosophy, or what's the? Yeah, I mean, I think they. So I think it's pivoting a little bit. Um, this upcoming class will probably be their best high school class in quite some time um but it's because they actually um hired recruiters as their assistant coaches this round um like ken norton jr is doing a great job he's he's really good yeah he's very very good at his at at what he does um but i think this last cycle they were still kind of caught in this oh yeah we'll just we'll just find our pieces through the portal um 
and so they did um, get a lot. And if Dorian Thompson Robinson hadn't come back, they were going to find their quarterback through the portal too. Um, it it is their philosophy to use the portal extensively. Um, I think it's uh, probably a mistake at UCLA. Um, that doesn't need to be the case. And I think for USC after this season, they probably won't be a, I don't think an so. insane portal team either. It was just the nature of getting a new coach in there. UCLA, um, I mean, they're not. They they're, should have got a new. They're coach. not USC, <laughs> but UCLA should be able to recruit. Yeah, and generate most of their team from high school recruiting every single year, um, and they've gotten away from that. Uh, now you can sign more than twenty-five guys too. I don't know. We'll see how that impacts things in the in the Pac-12, but but it'll allow. The the thing is that should make it. I mean, the one school that I immediately think of when I think of that is ASU. That should make you more willing to fire Herm Edwards because you can fix your roster yes. in a single offseason. Do I mean, it through Do the it portal. Now. Do it now. We'll see if it works. But like Riley's doing it through the portal. Yeah, and then you can, if you still have a bunch of guys next year, you can get a whole bunch of dudes from high school. You know, yeah. I mean, Tempe's an attractive enough destination. Yes. you can get a lot it's of dudes to transfer there. It's got to be better. You get transfers. You could have a high number of them, but also you can recruit a bunch of high school players too. Uh, it depends when you fight. Like if you fire Herm and when you hire the guy. Because it's there's usually not a lot of time in December to yeah, no, to sign, recruit, but you can do the the transfer thing for sure. Sign a full class of twenty five high school kids, and then add ten transfers on top of it, and you probably still won't hit eighty five at ASU next year. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that was it for. Oh, uh, I did run into your your boy, Chipper Chip Kelly at Chuck. the Tour de Pier. Uh, it's the Manhattan Beach. It's like a bike ride. But it's a bike ride that doesn't go anywhere. It's all stationary bikes. But there's like 300 stationary bikes at the Manhattan Beach Pier. Raise money for cancer. There's like five hours. I was a, a instructor on one of the satellite stages for our crew. And uh, it's fun. You were an instructor? I was up on stage like showing people. Telling to them do. how to ride a bike? Uh, yes. What's your A stationary to, bike. A stationary bike. But there's like songs change. You do different things, you know. You change the resistance, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I hold up signs. I'm basically hyping people up. Oh, okay. It's fun. But I raised a bunch of money. I was a platinum uh, money raiser, which was cool. But USC is involved. UCLA is involved. Like the Chargers. Uh, I think UCLA has been involved. But like I ran into Mike Bone, the athletic director for USC there. Andy Enfield, the, the basketball coach, was riding up on the stage. I think one of the earlier. Did you say riding or writhing? Riding. Did I say writhing? <laughs> he was riding up there. Uh but Mike, it was cool. Like talk to him, and then I'm as I'm leaving, I'm walking. I go to Shellback afterwards, which is a great little bar in Manhattan Beach. Uh, you know, you do your bike ride, you have a couple beers. I see Chip Kelly and his wife walking down the street. Uh, going did you say hi to, to Charles? I did. I met him. Like I told you, I met him once, and uh, I, I mean, I had he just gotten off the bike? No, he was not on the bike. He was walking. Oh, okay. Uh, lovely wife. She was really nice when I got to talk to her when they we had met them a couple years ago. But yeah, your boy Chip. Down in uh, Manhattan My Beach. My guy. Does he live? No. Does he live in Manhattan Beach, or is he in like Pacific Palisades or something? No idea. Oh, none. I thought, I thought he was like. I think when I met him, they were thinking about moving to Manhattan Beach or like. Leaving I know Manhattan when Beach. he first got the UCLA job, he was living in the Valley, but I think that was a temporary stop. Yeah, I don't know where he is now. Jim Morrow was definitely in the in the Beach City. He's a South Bay guy. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's like. You have like two daughters graduate from USC or something. 
Uh, he had one daughter and one son. One son. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, saw the chipper there. Um, he seemed very chipper. Got his extension. And yeah. I was not, I should have told him like, man, Congrats. they short, they, they short changed you on the extension. It needed yeah. to be more years. Yeah. More years, more money. more money per. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break and we'll get to some questions back in a minute. We're back here on the podcast of Champions. We got a voicemail. Should we go to it? I'd love to go to the voicemail. Could you guess who it is? Perk. Yeah, very good. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, I know it's been kind of over the years with college football. It's been conventional wisdom, and and Dave's kind of mentioned it uh, a few times. But I was wondering, you know, there's there's kind of a attitude that a coach needs anywhere from, I guess, kind of three – three to five years, but mainly, I guess, four to five years to really get his recruits in place and kind of get his players in um, once he enters a new program. And I'm wondering, with, with some of these transfer rules and kind of uh, say like how a team Michigan, uh, like Michigan State did last year where they you know, threw in a bunch of transfers and, and really changed their team around from year one to two, I was wondering, do you guys feel like the timeline or, or that kind of attitude is going to go away, that a coach needs four to five years, that it, that it should be shorter than that? Um, thanks, guys. I mean, I think we're going to see it be shorter because you it can, has to be. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, we'll see like Lincoln Riley hasn't won any games yet. Um, but we're anyone that switch coaches, you have an opportunity to kind of rework the roster. If, if Lincoln Riley goes eight and four or worse this year, he's going to be in a show me year next year. Like 2023 is going to be a, you got to show us something now, Lincoln. Yeah. Uh no I I think that's fair yeah and it's roster- totally fair they they revamped the roster this this has the look and feel of a semi flawed nine and three team at worst and potentially much better than that and if they don't do it then it's immediate hot seat I don't know about hot seat but it's like yeah they, no they, it's they, immediate show me year and then if they do eight and four again next year then it will be hot seat yeah. I, I mean eight and four is probably borderline I mean to go from four and eight to eight and four but a lot of people have pointed out it's like USC's defense was like historically bad last year, but would it have been like the talent was wasn't historically bad? Like, would it have been if you didn't fire a coach after week two and have all this turmoil and all this stuff? They're, um, they're at worst what the second best talent in the league this year. And, I would say, yeah. And may, I mean, maybe first with the transfers. Yeah. So they did have the Bolitnikov Award winner. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. <laughs> Um, like but what? no, I mean, Perk, your question's a good one because I think we already saw the four, the four to five year timeline kind of. Um, yeah, that's been gone. It's been falling apart for years now because of the money involved. Now you have the money involved plus the ability to completely change your roster in a single off season if you are the dude who can do that. Um, expectations are going to be through the roof. I think you're going to start to see a lot more three year timelines. You know, you've got one year to sort of install your stuff and clear out some bad apples. You know, there's always that narrative that there's an underbelly to clean out. Then you got your second year where you get better start building something. And then you've got your third year. If you haven't done something your first two years, that is your hot seat year. Yeah. No, I I think that's fair. It's that's about the roster, you know, the reshaping of the roster. But there's still I think you're still going to have some time to kind of 
install the culture that you want there, you know, all that kind of stuff. That that could still take some time, even though the roster is a lot better. Um, but you know, it's it's fair. I I, I think all this is going to do is accelerate the process. Um, we've but we've seen coaches get fired. You know, two years. I mean, they, Auburn they try to get rid of their guy after one year. You know, I mean, I mean Carl Durrell should have been fired last year. Yeah, and then we've also seen places not like USC didn't fire Helton for a long time. Right. Herm Edwards should have been fired. Uh, Carl Durrell should have been fired. I mean, you could argue David Shaw, like they should have tried to figure out a ways to part ways with him. And Jimmy Lake, they did. Um, you know, and they 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 forced some things to try to get him fired. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, in today's college football, there's just way too much money involved to waste a lot of time with the wrong guy. Pat Forty, I was listening to Pat Forty on the like the Yahoo Sports podcast, and he he did like a, a column about like the like fifteen like heated sort of like rivalries, but like it was like spoke you know spurned by like the Jimbo Fisher uh, Nick Saban thing. But he had like Washington Washington State on his like top fifteen, like the Apple Cup thing. You know, Washington State beat Washington in Seattle and stormed the field. Like the Washington State fans stormed the field. So that's kind of why he put that there. He forgot to mention. You had two coaches for Washington, Washington State that never got to play the Apple Cup. Like yep. they missed it for COVID, and then they were both fired before they got to play their first Apple Cup in 2021. That that's like takes that rivalry to another level. I thought that was like a great stat. But. Totally. Uh, all right. Is it new coaches? Um, it is. I think Eric. It's a great podcasting, by the way. I think it's new. Coaching. No, I did this one. You did that one? Yes. Okay. So, Andrew, no subject. Uh, do you enjoy flying to a destination more or road tripping? And what is the number one thing that bugs you about flying? Have an ex- exquisite evening. Ooh, what a good question. I think it depends. It very much depends. So, where if, you're going. So, now that I've had children, um for some time now um i think my preference if i am solo is to fly why is that do you know why you could drink on the plane no no but Should i under- but i understand that to be your priority <laughs> at all times uh no it's to catch up on movies and tv shows that i haven't been able to uh watch oh okay i can't do that while i'm driving true but in most other circumstances, if I am with my children, I would prefer to road trip. Um, and in other circumstances, depending on the, like if I'm if I've got some time to kill, like if it's a vacation, the road trip can be part of the vacation. You know, like yeah, if it's you know driving up the coast or driving cross country or whatever it is, that's that's fun. It's part of it. You know, you see these different places, that whole thing. Um, but it kind of depends on the trip. You know. I think it does. Um, if it's like, I mean, if we're talking about Pac-12 destinations, like I'm pretty much flying everywhere. Like you could, I mean, I've driven to the Bay Area before, but like I'm not really, you know, into that. I love driving to Vegas. Like that's what people No, and see, I'm the opposite. I don't like to drive back from Vegas, so I always fly to Vegas now. Yeah, it can be a pain. Um, well, it can be painful, like literally painful. Because of, you're sitting in traffic. Well, you know. because of the 
because of the head bad. The head, yes. The head bad things. Um, and yes, the traffic is completely unpredictable coming back from Vegas on a Sunday. Um, if there is any kind of disturbance in the force, uh, you can be up to 12 hours in the car on the way back. It can be insane. Yeah. I've, I've gotten stuck in 10 to 12 hours of holiday Sunday traffic coming back from Vegas twice, and it is miserable. Um, fly, did, flying, you don't have to experience that. Yeah. I drove out to the desert a couple weeks ago uh, for a thing I had to do, and uh, not realizing it was the Monday after Coachella, mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. weekend of Coachella. So Ooh. driving back on that Monday, it was- Stop and go. Oh, my Literally God. the entire it's way. It's not that far. No, it's, it's shorter than Vegas, but holy crap, that was a bad, that was a, that was a miscalculation. Yeah, I don't think I would ever, I, I don't think I would ever like as a first uh, choice drive to or from Vegas ever again. Bay Area is pretty close to not wanting to ever drive that again, just because I've done it so very many times, gone up the five, cut over to Gilroy, go up to the Bay Area, um, that it's just mind numbing. Like, it's just yeah. a very, very ugly, not fun drive. Um, if you can go up the 101, it's a little bit better, but it's still, it's like... And that's longer. It adds an hour, and it's just, ugh. Yeah, I think flying is where what I would say. What what bugs you the most about flying? I don't know. Like, I just, I'll give, like, a, a little recommendation to everybody. Like, if you're going to fly any amount, like, significant, you know, a few times a year even... Get the TSA pre-check for sure. You get through the security much faster. And I love the clear. The clear is great. So you can skip the pre-check line. And basically, they scan your eyeballs or your fingerprints. And you just go up to them and you say, hey, I'm clear. And they're like, you look in the thing. They take it. And then someone takes you, walks you to the front of the TSA pre-check line, shows your boarding pass to like the guy that was checking everyone's IDs and stuff. You just walk through and then you go right to security. So it's a it's it's made security a breeze, which I love doing that. You feel like you're a VIP at a club or something. So I would recommend, highly I'll, recommend. It. I'll I'll divulge something here. I I love flying. I, I love the entire experience. I oh, have nice. I have like a childlike enjoyment of the entire thing. Uh, and like literally from getting in there, standing in a line to do security, it's like ah, oh, this is fine. This is great. We get the stuff checked, walk through, sit down. Grab a bite to eat, maybe buy a magazine, then get on the plane, watch a movie. It's great. Love it. Yeah, the movie stuff is cool. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's, I, I don't really have a problem with the whole thing. Even I'm, if I have to sit in a middle seat and I'm like a biggish dude, I don't I like it's fine. That. Yeah. I think as I got older, I'm like, I'm willing to pay for like the, the economy plus, you know. No, but, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, I, and, uh, my father, like, uh, you used to work for United or Continental and like they're now United, but I still get some like flying benefits. Uh, we get rotate between my brother and my sister and stuff. So I have a United card because we get stuck at airports because you're flying like standby. But I have the United card that you can get into the lounge and stuff, which is great. So now like I'm flying this weekend to go to a wedding. I think my flights are like noon. Like I'm probably going to show up at like, and you got to get there early because it's Memorial Day, whatever. But I might show up at like nine o'clock or whatever and just like hang out in the lounge and have mimosas. And stuff, and just like, eh, I'm just gonna chill. Um, do you get to the airport? How early do you get to the airport? Uh, it depends. Like, I mean, I used to be like pre 9 11 was great. Like, you could, I, I would fly for work, like when I was an engineer, Southwest Bay Area stuff. Like, 
literally like you're walking through security and like the flight's about to leave. You walk right. Like, I mean, you can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, but I try, I, I don't want to be super rushed. So I'm not like trying to cut it to the last thing. And, and if you're checking a bag, which I try not to, but you got to make sure you're checked in. Like, you know, so I've usually like at least an hour and a half before or something. How about you? Same. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, if, and but if, if I want to hang in the lounge, I'll go early just for like, like if I'm going to Hawaii or something, like I'm going to get there early, have mimosas. But the only chill. reason I'm not insane is because I live literally 10 minutes. You are from very the airport. close. Yeah. When I was in Atlanta, I would drive everyone insane because I would get to the airport like a good two hours, possibly two and a half hours before the flight. Because <laughs> I would be like, well, it's 30 minutes away, but you don't know if you're going to hit traffic. So we should leave three and a half hours in front of the flight. Yeah. You just don't know. And then we would invariably be there just under three hours from the flight time. We're both close, but you're like, you're closer. I mean, you're like. Yeah, the, the yeah. planes fly over my head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is nice. You know, to, to yeah. have that. Option. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. All right, all right. Um, this is from Ross, Player of the Year. Hey guys, who is your dark horse candidate for offensive and defensive Plac Twelve Player of the Year awards? Thanks, Ross. We don't know the players. <laughs> I mean, this is really hard to. Oh, uh, that was my answer. Sorry. What you have a real answer? <laughs> no. Um. Does uh does Chase Garber still play in this league? He does not. No. Jake Browning? No. Uh, like, who would be like the Devin Lloyd? All right. Jackson Sermon, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Just because we said his name like yeah. 10 minutes ago. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, my dark horse for Offensive Player of the Year is... Um, uh, could be a dark horse. Like We don't even know like who the real candidates would be, let alone dark horse. <laughs> Like this, like you're assuming, like, like this. Cameron Ward, we said his name too. Okay, I like actually. That's a. I think that's a good dark horse candidate. Um, because like, say Washington State wins the North, and it's you know he's comes in. I think it's a really good dark horse candidate. If you do something like Noah Sewell or somebody like at Oregon, like, is he going to be a dark horse? Like you're like the Pac-12 North favorite, and you're like a former five star or whatever. Darius Muasau, baby. Dark horse. Could the twins share it? Maybe. I can't I still can't tell them apart. Oh. Um Dude, they play the exact same position. They look exactly the same. One's number eleven, one's number twelve. They do the exact same things on the field. You tell them apart. Tell me about it. I would look at the the number on their jersey. Yeah, 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 yeah. We couldn't so uh, behind the scenes, um it took till the third week before we could differentiate them by their numbers. Like before we could say, Oh, wait, that one's Grayson and that one's Gabriel. All right, um, we have a little, we have a slight problem. <laughs> Our boy Tom didn't send an email; he sent a Google Doc. Uh, it's it's literally like a letter that is more than one page long. I I can't. If you want to do it, you no, can't. I'm sorry. Uh, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna wanna... I'm gonna set a limit now. Um, now that we're here, set this a limit? this email is 672 words long. Okay, we can't read that. Like, we can't read six, like, this is longer than a lot of the articles we put up on our websites. Like, we can't. It appears to be about corporate taxes as well, um, which I just. <sighs> could we put it up on our, we could put it up on the blog and let people. Um, Examine it. Read it there. Um, break it down. But, like, I don't care if it's off season or not, but, I mean, I, yeah, like, we can't read 700 words. 
That's a lot of words. Like uh, literally, we can't. Like, <laughs> okay. I mean, have you been listening to the show? We don't have attention spans. I couldn't say exquisite a few <laughs> seconds ago. My <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get the gist of it. Um, it's hard when it's 700 words. Like, yeah. You can't Okay, so if you're going to send a long email, here's I'm going to ask for an additional step. I want bolded topic sentences for each paragraph, okay? I want to know what you're talking about when I can skim it, because we're not going to read 672 words, but if I know what you're talking about, I can at least, you know, you know, BS about it for a second. But I don't even know what this is about. And I'm we, not going to read it. And, and Tom, I'm, I'm, you're probably assuming we prep before the and read pre-read all the emails and stuff, which you would be incorrect. So then when we go through the emails and we go, oh, here's one that has 762 words. Like we can't do that while we're recording the show. We certainly aren't going to stop. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I there's there's no circumstance where I'm going to read a 672 word email when uh, it feels like it's about corporate taxes. Oh. I'm going to get bored very, very quickly. And my tolerance for boredom um, for this unpaid labor that we do is is extremely small. I feel like if you had like a rich aunt in Ireland who was going to leave you a lot of money and they sent you this 672 page or word uh, document that you had to read before you got it, you probably wouldn't be getting the money. You'd be like, yeah, I'm out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I can't. I, I, I don't have a whole... I, I'm a I'm a smart enough guy. I do not have tolerance for um, the paperwork bullshit at all. Like I can't read it at all. Contracts? Nope. Sorry. Uh, you're just. I'm gonna have to trust you because I'm not reading this. Nice. I cannot do it. I I just I no tolerance for it. That's why I try to do. This is not a lie. I try to do most things via verbal agreement. Like that's just handshake deals because I'm like I don't want to read anything. Yeah. How how could that go wrong? You know? It never does. I've never seen a situation where it goes wrong. Certainly not in my life. <laughs> okay. Certainly not in very specific circumstances <laughs> over the course of the last few years of my life. Um, That's a, we need like the sarcasm font. I did a. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, sir. There was a um, uh, a Pittsburgh radio host. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Like he go went off on like Jordan Addison transferring and stuff, and then followed up the next day with like. This report uh, that Jordan Addison's family came up to like pick up their kids like locker like whatever from school, dressed head to toe in USC gear, and it was just like the outrage that was going on there. And I, I tweeted something pretty snarky that got a lot of. Uh, I thought, was, did you read what I tweeted? Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. People thought liked it or whatever. Just saying that like I love college football, but there's a huge problem in our sport. Uh, you know, not, none bigger than. You know, parents that are wearing the gear of the their sons or something, you know, something like that, or whatever. Um, and I had like a couple people like literally respond to the tweet, and you could see all of the laughing and all like all the responses. I don't know if people just like read that and they don't read anything else. There was at least two people that said, "Ryan, how could you think this is a big problem in college?" Like literally, like asking me that, and I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, how do you not? know that that's not serious like i i'm not i don't get that like that you have to be able to tell that that's sarcasm right like mm -hmm. but there's people that don't and for everyone that didn't respond there's probably other people that are like that ryan abraham man he's a whack job he thinks that that's a big problem like i want my 
I want the players who go to my school there. I want their parents to wear that gear. Like he's an idiot. Like I bet you there was a whole bunch of people that didn't say anything about that. Correct. Without knowing that that's obviously sarcastic. Mm-hmm. What the hell's going on in our country? A lot of bad things. <laughs> a lot of bad things. <laughs> All right. Uh, Peter in Vancouver, what could Husky fans miss? Dear Dave, uh, this is directed to you. In your last podcast, oh, I guess that was your podcast, not our podcast. Yeah, baby. Your your segment, uh, Peter. I closed strong. Yeah. In your last podcast, you mentioned that you didn't think that Husky fans would miss anything from the Jimmy Lake era. I can understand that sentiment or the sentiment, but there's one thing that Husky fans should be afraid of missing, being... DBU, uh, Washington's pass defense has been stellar since Jimmy Lake arrived at Montlake, and they have had 11 DBs drafted since 2015, the most uh, most in the first or second round. The Huskies gave up a total of six passing touchdowns in all of 2021. The first time they gave up more than three in a single game under the DeBoer. Uh, I'm sorry. The first time they gave up more than three in a single game under DeBoer, especially if that is to Washington State, there will be fans longing for the days when Lake was coaching the DBs, not as head coach, just the DBs. In the six years uh, that Mike Leach was at Washington State and Lake was coaching at Washington, Washington allowed a total of five passing touchdowns in the same period. Washington State passed for at least five touchdowns in a single game 19 times. That kind of domination is going to be missed. Potentially. Yeah. Maybe. No, he was a really good at his job. Before it became a bigger job. Was that the Peter? Was it you get Peter Principal? You get like promoted yeah. to your level of incompetence. Yeah, and, and uh, he did. He was very, but very, very competent at what he was doing. Yeah. Then promoted and became. Yeah. Incompetent. All right. Here's another one from Peter in Vancouver. Oh. Leveling the playing field. Gentlemen. On the last podcast, Dave answered a question about some methods that Formula One used to level the playing field in that sport. I've been thinking for a while about how the NCAA could level the playing field in college football. The NCAA has no ability to control NIL. They may try to restrict coaching salaries or facilities, but that would only work if the schools agreed to it, and I don't see that happening. The biggest lever that the NCAA has to control parity is with the number of scholarships that schools have. If you want to level things, then reduce the number of scholarships for the top teams. Some teams that have good coaching can still do well with fewer scholarship players, but others would likely struggle. So it wouldn't be perfect, but it could help. One idea would be that if you make the playoffs one year, the total number of scholarships for the next year is decreased. How much of a decrease do you think would be needed to level the playing field? How would that change if the playoffs were expanded to 8, 12, or 16 teams? Another idea would be just to reduce the number of scholarships for every team based on the number of wins the previous year. So Oregon and Utah would have to be down to 75 scholarships this year, while Arizona could have 84. Not only that, but by having fewer scholarships for FBS teams, it would improve the play of the FCS teams since more would likely end up there. Thoughts, Peter in Vancouver? Uh, terrible idea. Terrible idea. Yeah. Um, I think it punishes kids um, who want to go to school. Yeah. Um, reducing scholarships arbitrarily would do that. Um, and you then, already have a bunch of guys on your team and you say, oh, you want to one too many games, cut a bunch of them. Like, yeah, I think there's, well, it would cut the freshman class, um, which I think is, uh, it's actually too detrimental. It doesn't do it. It, it, it has too large of an effect because you're essentially sanctioning, um, programs for doing well. Um, I think at some level it almost disincentivize you from doing too well. Um, it would 
not be good is is the the basic takeaway there. But I think you can by taking out the caveat that if you win these games you reduce scholarships. If you wanted to say everyone only gets 70 now. Sign as many as you want, but you can only get 70. You have to have 70 total. I think that would do more to level the playing field. I don't think it hurts the, you know, UTEPs of the world to only have 70 versus 85, but it would hurt Alabama. It would hurt Georgia. Like you're going to hurt the top teams more by cutting the total number of scholarships. Now you're reducing the number of, you know, there's a whole bunch of guys that won't be going to college or whatever, you know, on a football scholarship. But I think that would make it. No, I think think it would help. Exact opposite. 70 scholarships for Alabama means that the 15 guys that were going to get scholarships, oh yeah, they're getting it through NIL now. For UTEP, there's no NIL money oh. for the 15 guys who get their scholarships cut. And so they're they're going to reduce their talent level because they don't have those scholarships filled. Right, well, okay. So if you're assuming that you could replace that, I mean, that's the thing though. There's a lot of, there are a lot of benefits to having the scholarship with like, um, you know, all the tuition and room and board. Well, and get some of these stuff. kids into school. Um, like, it's, it gets, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know if that would happen. They're not the, going to pay for it. But let's okay. So let's assume that just the assumption that that NIL can't replace. Like, I've had people come up when USC was down scholarships. Like, can't some donor just pay money? Like, no. Players want to be like, I want to be a scholarship guy. Like, if you're some high four star guy, like, do I want to go to Alabama? But you're not on scholarship. Like, but you have an NIL guy paying your. You know, I. I think that the thought is that they would go somewhere else. And there'd be like a trickle-down effect where Alabama can't get all the best guys or Georgia can't get all the best guys or Texas A&M. So you would, the the talent level would kind of drop down. It would kind of trickle down to some of these other schools where you just don't have as many scholarships to give out. Yes, it would. you could overrun that or you could overtake that by just having NIL guys on. But if you reduce the number at the top, I mean, for everybody, there would be better players going to schools that normally so don't get. There's that. There's also the the reality that it, what is that? Fifteen times a hundred and thirty schools. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys. There's that, a whole bunch of dudes who are not going to college. Right, which um, sucks. You, you don't want to do that. Yeah, that'd, that'd be horrible. It'd be a horrible outcome. Um, that's almost two thousand scholarships in the FBS level. Um, that would be cut. So that's not good, and that's not something you should or uh, advocate. So I think though the real ones. So the thing is, there's not going to be any substantial regulation that actually works to level the playing field while the NCAA exists in its current form. It needs to either be a much stronger organization or it needs to be a new organization. Yeah. Um, but there needs to be something that actually has governing power over the major leagues um, and can push for things like um, – because here's the the way this is going – the NIL genie is not going to be put back in this particular bottle um, or whatever, Pandora's box, whatever the metaphor is. You know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't put that back in its uh, container of whatever form it is, the lamp, the box, whatever you want to call it, whether it's a genie, whether it's um, the sins of the world, who knows? Can't put it back in. Um, so lean into it. These kids are employees. And the schools can come up with whatever funding method they want for their employees who are playing on the football team and the basketball team. Um, But cap it. Cap the amount at some reasonable percentage of the average revenue for FBS. Because that's also a way to do um, 
uh, competitive rev sharing and stuff like that. It's the same way all the professional leagues do it. Okay. Um, and so then that'll incentivize um, the top leagues to share some revenue down. Um, and then you set a salary cap. And then that's truly based on like the the based on what's basically coming from the collectives right now, like that pool of money where you're literally just paying guys. And then the kids can independently get their own essentially endorsement deals like the same way professional athletes do but it is heavily regulated like it is true nil like gotcha. getting that stuff and then you've got the pool of money that's the same for every school that's you know x million of dollars um to split between the athletes as like a salary um but i think that's the way to do it where there is a salary cap um and maybe you could even do it where it's tiers you know where you know, the SEC and the Big Ten get a higher salary cap than the Pac-12, ACC, and Big 12. And then all of those get higher salary caps than the uh, group of five um, conferences. But something that um, uh, instills at least some level of competitive balance. Um, I think that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, I don't think you can reduce scholarships if you win too many games. Like, no, that's yeah. bad. That disincentivizes winning and makes it more like baseball where guys um, – own teams and then don't care about winning uh last one is the uh frank and sacramento luckiest man on the face of the earth lou gehrig was last century cliff kingsbury was hi was hired by usc in december of 2018 sits down at his desk and realizes what a dumpster fire helton is running on january 8th 2019 kingsbury resigned took the job of the head coach of the arizona cardinals is he the luckiest person in the 21st century so far i would say not even close so first of all, if you look like Ryan Gosling, whatever, like your things are going to go well for you probably, right? Mm -hmm. He say he doesn't get the Arizona Cardinals job, and say you know he coaches twenty nineteen. What did USC do? They hired Graham Harrell, who's sort of like a a lighter, not as accomplished version of Cliff Kingsbury to run that offense, and the offense was very successful even without their starting quarterback. They scored a whole bunch of points. Um, they did a lot of good things in that year. If Cliff Kingsbury doesn't get the Arizona Cardinals job, he has USC offense crushing it in 2019, and then he gets a job after that somewhere else. Uh, maybe it's not as good as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, but if they were, if NFL teams were thinking about him then, if he has a good year at USC, uh, he was one year at USC and done, and he would get a really good job. So um, Every... Uh, professional and college football head coach is tied for the luckiest person alive because they are a gym coach getting paid <laughs> millions of goddamn dollars. I like that. That's they're they're all tied. Okay, but I wouldn't put him ahead of everyone else. I would put him in the same category. Yeah, but I think the way it would if he didn't get that job, yes, Clay Elton wasn't a very good head coach, but they did have a good offense with Graham right. Harrell that year. If yeah. they had Kingsbury, they would have a probably better offense and then he would get some job our collective societal insanity makes these guys millions of dollars for being pe teachers mm. there you go nice so yes they're all tied luckiest men's alive luckiest men alive luckiest man alive okay well hey it was a good show how, how did we get went way over an hour uh, how did that happen i don't know we talk a lot of, about stuff yeah we did there was like nothing going on i gotta go uh i gotta deliver Meals to old people. That's great. Yeah. I'm excited for you. It's fun. Yeah. They give me a little snacks now. That's great. 
Most of my charity work involves me getting snacks. Does that make me a bad person? You're taking your cut. <laughs> You're taking your percentage. Don't we talk about that? Like when I go, when I pick up the baked goods, I usually get a cookie or something from that. Well, you know, but, I mean, most uh, most charities, most nonprofits, they do have an overhead, right? There's some overhead, yeah. Yeah. So you're taking your cut. Now, do you feel like scum because of it? No, nah, I feel all right. Okay. Well, the, the Meals on Wheels, they, they actually put out little snacks for you now. So they encourage you. So it's not like I asked for it. Like, I get the animal crackers usually. Really? <laughs> yes. Anything with a cookie, I'm like a 12-year-old boy. Okay. So are we talking like the true animal crackers that are like shortbread, or are we talking like the animal cookies that are like white with sprinkles and... No, those shortbread ones, yeah. Got it. Okay. That's what they get. There's like... They'll put out like granola bars or something. They'll put out stuff like applesauce. I'm like, there's no spoons. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So I usually just grab the cookies. You don't just suck down the applesauce out of no. the little cup? Mm. You can do it. Probably could. You know, you just kind of squeeze it and slurp it. I got those... Remember the go-go squeezes? I got a bunch yeah, of those. you love to slurp. <laughs> It's not my favorite um, meal technique. No, no. I kind of want a donut now. Yeah. Well, can't slurp those. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap things up. Uh, that is David Woods. We are in person. I'm Ryan Abraham, <laughs> and uh, we might have a special treat for you at some point because you love listening to me and David Woods' his dulcet tones. But what if you could see us recording this podcast? What if you could see? The look on Dave's face while I'm talking about spring football, and he's just not, what if you could not see attention. me reading stuff on my phone as Ryan is talking about something? What 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 would that what would that mean for you? I mean, would that make your week? Would it make your month? Would it make your year? Something along those lines. Yeah, it could be in the works. It might be happening. Yeah, if I can do it, which means it isn't happening. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe. Uh, yeah, we need to do like a YouTube channel. So if we do this, we need you guys to subscribe to the YouTube channel, share the video, make little clips of the dumb things we do. Like that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, all right, well that's gonna wrap things up uh, for David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of Champions. We love Pac-12 football. We love talking about Pac-12 football. It doesn't matter. It's late May. We're gonna talk about Pac-12 football all year round because that's what we do. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.